Welcome to the Naked Truth. Peace to you. Let's pick up where we left off with the New Testament since it's Saturday night. We're in the book of Matthew. That's the first book of the New Testament. And just in case it's your first time reading with me or you don't understand different things about the Bible, the entire Bible is lots of different books. It's compiled into one book that we call the Bible. There's lots of different individual books and they're written by many different people over many different years, even over millennia. So it's not like it's just one person or even one God or religion being preached or talked about in the Bible. There's many different entities, things being identified as are being called God or the Lord. And you can see that by the way the names are translated for those different things or those different titles throughout the Bible. So what we focus on on Saturday night is what Jesus has to say. And that's the Christian faith that's in the Bible. And just in case you don't know it, the things Jesus says are not the entire Bible. It's Jesus's words appear if you have them, if you have one. And if you have a New King James Version Bible, you can see his words appear in red ink. And they only appear once you get to the New Testament. And they only appear in six of the 60 plus books in the Bible. So to me, it's like a uh, maybe a subtle message to us Christians that that's the tithe, the tenth of the Bible that we're to take for us, or at least to adhere to as closely as we can for us. Since that's what Jesus had to say. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, why would anyone else's word or orders uh, supersede his? It just wouldn't make sense. So that's what we focus on since Saturday night. And that's where we're at in the first book of the New Testament. And we're on chapter 7 in Matthew, and we're going to begin with verse 1. If you want to read along with me, um, that's where it, where you'll find it in your Bible. And if you don't have a Bible handy, um, you can use the Beast, or as it's also known on the Internet, um, with the blueletterbible.org website, and um, read along with me there. You can search for different uh, passages there and go right to them. Or um, if you know where it's at, just go to Matthew. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, here we go. Uh, And this is Jesus speaking. Judge not that you be not judged. Very simple, very straightforward, and very, very, very hard to find people who adhere to that uh, at all. Um, But it's really clear. It's if if you take your time judging people, uh, well, that actually flips it around even. It's the order is to not judge judge not and but if you read in uh in the gospels jesus will say do not judge according to appearance but judge with righteous judgment so that's letting us know there is a time for judgments and to use a proper judgment but what he's talking about here is i would think is what he's saying is in passing judgments on each other and where each other's soul stands as far as in God's eyes, that's just not for us to judge because only God knows our hearts. Um, we can only judge by what we say to each other and how we treat each other. Um, like, cause like I said before, the first commandment as according to the Bible, according to Jesus is love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The love for the Lord is one that's unseen because we can't see the Lord physically. So whether someone actually loves God or not is sort of debatable because only God knows that. But the part that isn't as debatable and is very clear and easy to see is when you show love or not for each other. That you can see. Um, so the first commandment is judge. Or what Jesus is saying here is ju- don't judge uh, so that you don't end up being judged. Verse 2, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So that's sort of like saying you reap what you sow. And if you're going around passing judgment on people, then you can be certain the same thing is going to happen to you. And it's going to happen, it says, with the same measure you use, Jesus says. So if you're very scornful and harsh with people, in judging them and 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 then expect that same harsh and critical judgment to uh, ricochet right back to you when you're uh, walking through your paths of life um, that it's going to go back it's going to come back we reap what we sow verse 3 and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye but do not consider the plank in your own eye so consider that it's saying a speck something tiny a plank something large so why are you so focused micromanaged micro focus on what's 
going on in your brother's life, in your neighbor's life, in your in anyone else's life, why are you focused on that instead of focusing on the plank or in other words, the big issue you're dealing with in your own life that other people may not be able to see? That's why the things we notice about people are just the spec, generally speaking. We don't know what their what their life is like, what they're dealing with, what they're going through. We just get a glimpse of it and Many times, and I've been guilty of it myself, pass judgment based on that glimpse, that speck of what we can see. But what Jesus is telling us here is don't worry about that. That's not where your focus should be. Instead, focus on what's in your own eye. Turn that mirror on yourself, like Michael Jackson would say. Start there with the one in the mirror and work on that. Because it turns out you see a tiny speck of what's going on in your brother's life. And it says brother, but I believe clearly it means um, anyone, you're um, not just your blood brother and not just males, but your brother, anyone walking this human experience. Uh, turn that same focus on yourself and see what kind of things you find there. You'll find a plank. You won't find just a speck. You'll find a plank of things that need to be taken care of. So deal with the speck, deal with the plank in your own eye, the huge issues plaguing you before you start, or rather than dealing with the tiny issues you can identify with that someone else may be dealing with. And it may turn out that you're wrong about what issues you think they're dealing with. Because just because it will be an issue for you doesn't mean it's an issue for them at all. Verse 4, or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye. And look, a plank is in your own eye. So again, why focus on the 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 gnat that's bothering uh, that someone else is dealing with or that you identify on with someone else when instead you're surrounded by a swarm of flies. You're focused on something tiny uh, that you can see someone else is bothering you about someone else when in fact there's something huge, monumental that's in your own life, in your own eye, in your own walk that you should be focused on. And so rather than go around trying to make someone else get right and uh, how about start with yourself and get yourself right. Verse five, hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So Jesus is saying it's hypocritical You're to go around fault finding and seeing what someone else, how someone else may be falling short and uh, not walking how you consider them to how you consider they should be walking as far as righteousness goes when in fact if you turn that same energy that same uh deep uh, inspection on yourself then you'll realize your own issues are much much larger than what someone else is dealing with for one because uh you're the one that's gonna have to deal with them rather than and i guess in a in a sense it's many times it is easier to see where someone else is going wrong and what they need to do to fix it because you're removed from it but it turns out you have those same issues in your own life but you're just too close to it to see it um but it's huge just like the plank that you're uh, is in your own eye do not give what is holy to the dogs nor cast your pearls before swine lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces so that's a hugely valuable verse there because it's it's it lets you know not to waste your uh not to waste your uh light. Don't waste your good someplace where it's not gonna be appreciated. And I've learned that the hard way with my own family, but also with friends and just throughout life. If why would you waste something that's valuable to you on someone that's not gonna appreciate it? And that's whether it's your time or your money or your presence. If you're someplace where you're not uh or you're in some situation, even a relationship or some place where you're giving it all you got with all your heart, doing your best to do your best, and the people or person or wherever, whatever uh, situation you're in doesn't appreciate it, that's what you're doing. You're casting your pearls before swine. You're wasting what's valuable to you to someone who's not going to appreciate it. And what's going to happen is they're going to trample it under their feet, meaning they're going to abuse it, misuse it, not appreciate it. And then once they're done doing that with the best of what you have to offer them, they're going to turn and tear you in pieces. So that could mean 
gossiping and slandering, or it could even mean physical violence. You're wasting your good someplace where it's not appreciated. And Jesus is letting us know that's a no-no. That's what you should not do. Verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you. So in that sense, it, it's, I guess, uh, the part that uh, that I've wondered about before is, well, I've asked for things like in prayer or even from other people, and I don't always get them. But I think there's, uh, there's the answer to why that seems that way. It may be um, on more than one level. I think on the obvious basic level is first you have to deal with those the plank in your own eyes so if things aren't right with yourself between yourself and God as far as being righteous in your walk and your um love for and worship of and sharing of the all the things you're supposed to do uh or at least as far as we how I understand it if you're if we're not right in our positioning with God then what sense would it make to expect for the things we ask for to be accomplished since there's other things that aren't right but now in the sense of if they are if you are doing all you can to do righteously aligned with what Jesus says not with what your church may have told you not with what your heart may tell you not with what someone has said to you but instead actually aligning your behaviors our behaviors with what Jesus actually tells us to do and then you ask for something and it still doesn't happen. And I think there may be other, the other level to that may be in the sense that it's in an unseen um, dimension there where we don't realize it's happened. Um, and I know that may sound crazy, but it's uh, or meta, but it's, I think what it means, I think the way it manifests is in the, uh, and again, this may sound crazy, but I think there is... And an entire possibility that we, and science says this actually, that we can exist in different dimensions at the same time. So that just because we ask for something here and we don't appear to receive it here, I believe that it's entirely possible that you do receive it. It's just in a different dimension. It's your same existence. Well, not your same existence, your same self, but on the on in a different dimension. And in that dimension, that's where you receive it. So, for instance, if you pray for healing for, say, like in my case with my mother, when she's dealing with the cancer before it took her in this life, entirely possible that in another dimension where I was more righteous and she was more aligned with where she should be as far as her health and her faith and her walk, maybe possibly in that dimension, she did receive what it is we asked for, what we prayed for, what we sought for, what we believed for. And we just don't realize it in this dimension because everything else is not the same in the same alignment. But it doesn't mean we didn't receive it. It's just that we didn't realize we received it. It didn't manifest for us here, but it manifests for us in that other dimension where we also exist. And again, I know that it sounds very, uh, makes it sound crazy, but I think it's entirely possible. And I think it's possible because science will tell you, like I've said before, it's believed that we do exist on different planes. That is not just here, this uh, physical world that we're experiencing right now, but the entire universe may be some sort of network or matrix, if you want to think of it that way of our our existence happening at the same time and maybe even in the same place but in a different dimension so that we just don't perceive it and i think an example of that probably put it much clearer than i'm saying it is if you believe the bible and you believe the old testament you can look back to when um one of the old testament prophets i think it was elijah might have been elisha um, but whatever, whichever one it was, it was in the Old Testament. I think it's in the book of first or second Kings. And you can do a search here on the site and find it. But um, they're faced with some peril, like they're being uh, faced with an army of um, of um, people out to get them. And the person with the prophet is kind of terrified at seeing the uh, army facing them and the, the prospect of defeat. And in that moment, the prophet doesn't panic, but instead prays, which is, you know, probably the best thing to do, prays and asks God to um, um, sort of peel back the curtain. And I'm paraphrasing because it's been a while since I've 
uh, really um, dug into the Old Testament. That's why we do it on Mondays and Wednesdays, but um, or part of why. But but the prophet asked that the Lord um, peels back the curtain, so to speak, so that an, a different dimension is open, so that the uh, the the person who's with the prophet can see that they're not alone. And when he does it, there's an army of um, uh, heavenly soldiers, angels on their side that they just didn't perceive. They were there all along. They just didn't perceive them. And I think that goes into that uh, different dimension sort of thinking or the possibility of that. I think that sort of uh, that explains it better than I could. And I think that that may be the explanation for why we don't always seem to receive the different things we ask for, um, but may actually be receiving them. Absolutely. Just we are not perceiving it because we're not perceiving it in this timeline of where we exist. And again, I know it sounds crazy. So if it's too much, I understand. Move on. Verse eight, for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks, it will be open. So Jesus is making it clear that everyone who asks receives. So that's besides, it sounds to me, that's everyone. That means everyone that leaves no one out. That's absolute. So that means you do receive it no matter what your faith is, no matter where you are in your walk. But excuse me. I think the other element of receiving it has a lot to do with time that you do receive it. You may just not receive it in that moment. It may be a while before you receive it. It may, um, but sometimes it may be instantaneous, but I think what uh, an example of it that I've seen myself is, uh, someone I used to date still friends now, but used to date, he'd always say he's, uh, when he'd forget stuff or, um, I think he'd be lying. Uh, At least that's how it would come off to me. You say something and then not too long later, you forget you said it or you say something else. And he'd say, oh, no, no, he's not lying. He just uh, his memory just doesn't remember. And and he'd say it's uh, he thinks it's Alzheimer's or something like that or dementia. And I keep telling him, don't say those things. Don't say those things because there's like I've always said before, there's energy in the things you say. There's power in your words. Jesus tells us that in Matthew 12, 37, that it's by your words, you'll be justified and by your words, you'll be condemned. So he'd say that again and again and just write it off and light and make light of it. That, oh, it's just Alzheimer's or it's just that. And then now we're not together anymore. Like I say, we're still friends now. He'll say things and find him. And and I've had to stop him. Like, look, you've told me that 10,000 times already. And and it's not more. It's not once or twice. He'll go into telling me a story that I've heard many, many times from him before. And he'll tell it with the same vigor as if he's telling it for the very first time. And I've had to cut him off. And and I've told him again and again. In fact, He'll start a story and I'll just go ahead and finish it for him. So it's like, look, you've already told me that. I've already known that. And it's like you're 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 manifesting what it is you made light of. It's manifesting. You didn't realize it at the time or you expect that asking to be instantaneous. It doesn't say when you ask, you're going to receive it instantly. It says you're going to receive it. And if you seek it, you're going to find it. So you may not you may be seeking something and it may take time to find it. But you'll find it. You may be asking for something good or bad. And whether you get it right then or not, you're going to get it. So and I think, again, good or bad. So I think that's just a, a an example I think of, of things manifesting uh, because you said them because you're asked for it. And it, it manifests in a way you might not necessarily expect, but it still manifests. Of course, who doesn't at, wish for to be able to ask for you know, lots of money or whatever, and then wonder where it's at. Why hasn't it happened yet? Waiting for that to manifest. But I think the key is, like Jesus says, is to ask. That's the key to make sure you ask. Don't assume that, um, that, uh, God knows you like a million dollars just cause most people would, or, you know, whatever numbers in your mind or anything else or a brand new car or a great big house or, a beautiful partner or whatever the case may be. Don't assume. Be sure to ask. And asking generally starts with please. I think that that's important even with God that you include manners. Include asking as if you were asking someone human that you can see with all the authority to give it to you, grant it for you, or produce it for you. Ask that same way, but ask it of the Lord. Uh, 
Uh, verse 9. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? So Jesus is saying on the human level, even among uh, people, if a uh, father has a son and the son asks for bread, is the father going to say, oh, sure, here you go and give him a rock? Is he going to give him a stone? Is he going to give him a brick and say, here, go munch on that? Even humans, as wicked as humans are, don't do that. Verse 10, or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Same thing. So if your child is hungry for some catfish or as mama would make Nile perch or brim and um, wants that to eat. And then would you turn around and give them a cobra or a rattlesnake and say, here, eat that. That's just even on the natural human level. You don't do that for your children. Um, one, because that's not what they asked for. And two, uh, it's not going to do them any good. Verse 11, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So Jesus is saying there, if as terrible as people are, if as wicked as human nature is, if as bad as people are, we still know how to do right by youngins, by the, our kids, by our babies. If they're crying, to give them a bottle or give them the, the, the breast to feed them. Or if they're hungry, to make them something to eat or get them something to eat as best you can. If people, as bad as people are, know how to do that, then wouldn't God, who's divine and almighty, um, do at least that much for us? Verse 12, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So that's the reaping what we sow uh, sort of teaching there that um, uh, be, give, act the way you want to be given and treat it. How you what the energy you're putting out there is the energy you're going to get back. And I think that goes for whether it's good or bad. So be sure to do as best you can, I would say, to show love, to show mercy and to show grace when you can. I know it's not always easy, but if you're going to expect love, grace or mercy from God or even in the walk of life through the paths we experience with each other, then it would help. It's almost, it seems essential that you have to have that in your own heart and be putting that out there so that that's what you're getting back. Otherwise, you're, I mean, think about if you're planting seeds, why would you plant apple seeds if you're expecting to grow oranges? So if you're planting seeds of mercy, grace, goodness, light, love, those sort of things, then that's what you expect to get back. Not that it'll always come back that way, but at least that's what you, at least from that source, that's what you can expect to get back. Whether it comes back from the seeds there that you planted or other places, that's the energy you're putting out there. Let that be the energy that returns to you. But it works with the evil also. If you're not putting good seeds out there, then expect bad fruit to be what crops up for you. Um, and Jesus is saying that is the law and the prophets. So the law is basically those Ten Commandments that we're reading on on our Monday and Wednesday readings. And uh, the prophets are, like I was saying just now, with like a Elijah or Elisha, that it's the people who have a connection to God to give you the message to let us know as guides which way is righteous and which way is wicked. Jesus is saying those things are summed up in this verse um, that treat people the way you want to be treated. Verse 13, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. So that's a very, very deep verse. And it should be comforting to us, the flock, that just because the world seems to be uh, going a whole other different way and lots of other people may even be profiting, like getting rich and having whatever it is you might be seeking, whether it's lots of money or that big house or the brand new car or the fame or whatever it is that you think or it seems to the world to be what makes someone successful and blessed. 
though you may look around and see those people getting those things, even though they don't seem to adhere to any of these things, for instance, the previous president, but also this one's not doing much better as far as deeds go. But if you look at that and say, how can someone who's so set on evil still seem to be so what we'd call blessed, still have so much money, still have so much power, still be walking around free and still break so many laws and still avoid uh, even prosecution, much less conviction. How is it possible that someone can get away with all that stuff when it seems like if you do something, there's a microscope set on you and you immediately get it back. And I think what it's what Jesus is letting us know here is that a whole lot of people are on that Broadway on the way to destruction. And that, um, and he says it clearly that there's many who go in by it. So that's lots and lots of people. That's the, and I think Revelation, the book of Revelation, um, one of its verses uh, sort of clarifies that for us when it says the, it says like 144,000 of just the Israelites, the children of Israel are going to be saved. That doesn't include the entire population, but um, just those tribes. And it says 144,000, like 12,000 from each tribe. And it sounds like a lot of people. And then another passage says um, they saw a crowd in heaven of um, 10,000 times 10,000, which is like, uh, um, and more than that, and thousands of thousands it says. So it's millions of people, 100 million people. Sounds like a whole lot until you realize or consider that America has more than 300 million people in it alone. So even 100 million people, as many as that sounds like, is still less than one in three people here in America. And when you consider there's 7 billion people in the world, then you realize for sure that's a tiny, tiny, tiny amount of people. And especially if you consider millennia of existence, thousands and thousands of years, science basically says people have been, um, or at least... Um, what is it social which I forget which which science it is that believes civilization goes back about 10,000 years but we know it goes back further than that because there's archaeological evidence that people have been around much 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 longer than that uh, for instance since it's in the news so much um, Kiev the city in Ukraine it's believed to be something like 25,000. There's evidence there that it's 25,000 years old. So we know humans have been around uh, in one form or another, in one place or another, for an extremely long time. Even though our sciences haven't really caught up with all of that. But it lets you know, if you consider 100 million people even, over all those thousands and thousands of years, that's not a whole lot of people. That's maybe a few thousand each year or each generation being saved that's not a whole lot of people even though it sounds like and is relatively a lot of people but in the grand scheme of thing grand scheme of things it's a tiny amount and the greater majority according to Jesus are taking that other path that broad path to destruction the broadway funny america should name one of its most popular streets that broadway and broadway is what Jesus is saying you should avoid Verse 14, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. So, again, if you want to follow the crowd that looks like it's going up, may actually be ended up going down and going nowhere. And in the ones that have hope, uh, at least the hope of the narrow path that, uh, as they say, straight and narrow, only a few, only a few who find it. So that lets you know if you're sometimes it's going to seem like you walk alone and that's because you are there's well not you're not alone. God's always with us, his flock, a God's flock, but it'll seem like you walk alone as far as there won't be a whole lot of people around you going the same way, thinking the same way, acting the same way, believing the same way, because like Jesus just says, there's few who find it. There are few who find it. And the greater majority are taking that broad way. And why not? It's broad. It's easy to walk. There's lots of people there, lots of company. You are comforted along the way as you head down the hell, basically. But if you're looking for that narrow path that leads to life, it might seem kind of lonely because Jesus says there's only a few who even find it, much less walk it, but find it. So you people will see, oh, that's the path. That's the righteous way to 
do the righteous way to go. That's the right way to be, the proper way to go. And they'll see the path. They'll know the path is there, but say, no, they choose the broad way because, you know, there's more people there. And that can be deceptive thinking, well, if the most of the people are going this way, it must be the right way. But no, that's not the right way at all. Jesus is making it clear. Verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. So that's one that you really, really, really should be aware of. Because if you look at, say, for instance, these televangelists, but not just the ones on TV, you can go to most churches and any church I've ever been to other than the church I was brought up in as a kid. Um, um, the preacher there, Reverend Terry, God bless his soul, um, had a church like no other. Uh was basically non-denominational, welcoming to all, and focused on um, the spirit and actual righteousness, at least enough to get me to where we are here. Um, But I don't see that in many churches at all. In fact, some churches will let you know if you're not dressed the right way, and that's whether you're uh, straight and just not wearing your Sunday best, or if you're trans and wearing what they consider inappropriate clothes, they'll tell you they don't want you there. They'll uh, come outright let you know you're not welcome there so how could that possibly be from god Uh, it's not but it's jesus is letting you know they're false those are false prophets because they will say those things but if you the best way to challenge them is to first ask if they're a christian church is what i'm referring to mostly here but any whatever your religion is the first thing to ask them is oh if you're a christian church particularly Okay, where does Jesus say that? Okay, show me the chapter and verse where Jesus said that. Now, they'll probably open a Bible and show you something from the Old Testament, open the Bible, show you from something from the New Testament that's not red letter, that's another religion says. And sure enough, it's right there that a man can't wear a woman's clothes or uh, men can't lay together or and that it should be put to death. That's in there. You'll find it. Uh, but if you ask them as Christians... Where does Jesus say that? They won't be able to point it out to you because Jesus says just the opposite. Jesus lets us know uh, when he comes again, and I'm paraphrasing this part, but you can look it up yourself. It's Luke, the Gospel of Luke 17:34, where Jesus says, I tell you in that night there will be two men in one bed. One will be taken and the other will be left. Talking about looking ahead to the, what we call the second coming when Jesus comes again as the son of man to sort of um, um, a judgment day if be the simplest way to say it and so if you go by what the churches and the Old Testament tell you both the men in the one bed will be damned they'll be both burning hell they're both abominable but uh, that's not what Jesus says Jesus just I just told you Jesus says one will be taken and the other will be left so it makes it clear that that's not the truth at all that may be true for that religion it may be true for what someone feels or thinks about people who have same-sex relations but it's not true at all as far as what Jesus says but and so about what Jesus says he's saying beware of that beware of false prophets and he's saying they'll come to you in sheep's clothing so they'll come very mild-mannered and make it seem like uh they're holy and righteous he says but what's in their heart is actually a ravenous wolf or like a ravenous wolf greedy and bloodthirsty um, the hellfire preachings to you to make you think you're going to be- burn in hell for something Jesus didn't even say. And if you're not careful, you'll believe that and then end up condemning yourself to that path that leads to the broad way down to destruction rather than the narrow path that lets you know there's life. Verse 16, you will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? It's like I was saying about planting peach peach seeds and expecting and um getting oranges to grow that's just not how it works and he's letting us know here the same way it works with these um preachers if what they're doing is good and righteous then the fruit of what they're doing will be good and righteous and you can see that that's not the case by how many people are poor in those congregations yet they get them to keep contributing to a church where the pastor has a jet or a fleet of jets planes uh, or mansions or cars many cars luxurious rich cars which that's all well and good if that's what you want 
to do if you want to struggle and wallow in poverty so that your preacher, the head of your church, or whatever religious organization you're part of can live large and get fat and happy, that's fine if that's what you want to choose for yourself. But consider, is that the fruit of good seeds or is that the fruit of something wicked? It's almost certainly something wicked because none of that is uh, is um, goodness. It's None of that is righteousness. That's stuff the world seeks after, as Jesus says. Um, even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. So, uh, again, if the seeds are peach seeds, it'll be a peach tree. If it's an orange, orange seeds, it'll be an orange tree. If it's good seeds, it'll be good fruit. If it's righteous seeds, righteous acts, they'll be, I mean, if it's righteous seeds, they'll be righteous acts and they won't mismatch. You're not going to, um, and, and I think you're not going to, um, expect good things out of some wicked start. So if you're doing something, if you're contributing to a wicked cause, don't expect that to produce good goodness and good fruit and a good outcome for you. It's just not compatible. That's just not how it works. Uh, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. So, uh, just like I said, you're not going to plant pecan seeds and expect a peach tree. You may expect that, but that's not what's going to happen. Your what seeds you sow, the acts you do, the words you say. That's what it's. That's what's going to be produced. That's what's going to grow. That's what your crop is going to be. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So I think that's going back to that broad path, that broad way. That if those um those seeds along that broad way, along that wide path where most people are taking, uh, it leads to somewhere good. Then there'll be goodness all around it. But instead, the world seems filled with wickedness because that's what people are sowing. That's what people are doing. People are up to no good. That's why the world is so filled with wickedness. But Jesus is letting us know you're free to go ahead and produce that bad fruit. You're free to continue sowing those evil seeds and bad seeds. But what it's going to lead to is the fire. It's going to lead to those actions, those outcomes, those results being cut down and then thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. So just like you can tell what kind of um, seeds they were by the way the fruit is, that's the same way you can tell what kind of person it is by the way their actions are. So you don't need to know um, um, that it's a, a, that there were pecan seeds or peach seeds or apple seeds that grew to grew the fruit if you see the apples hanging from the tree. Then you know that, okay, well, this, there must have been apple seeds here because there's apples hanging from the tree so the same way there there must be righteousness here because there uh, there must have been righteousness in the start of this because we could see the righteous outcome of the things that uh, that organization or person is producing verse 21 not everyone who says to me lord lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my father in heaven so i think this is jesus saying it's going to take more than lip service. It's going to take more than just saying you're a Christian. It's going to take more than just saying, oh, I believe in God. And then you go about the rest of your life doing whatever the rest of fresh you want to. It's going to take more than that. It's going to take more than just words. And Jesus is letting us know, you may call him Lord. You may even say, Lord, Lord, and be calling on him as Lord. But he's saying, that's not going to do it. That's not going to be it. That's a low bar. Let's see. He says, but it's he who does the will of my father in heaven. So you have to have the words and you have to have the deeds. You have to talk the talk, but that, but you also have to walk the walk. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? So he's saying in that day, and I think it's um, uh, alluding to the judgment day we were just talking about in that moment of of um meeting our maker as it were even though that's not actually what i believe i don't believe that that's actually how it turns out but i think what he's talking about is judgment day or that day you pass away and move on to that next stage of existence 
or even pass into one of those other different dimensions, uh, as it were. But when on that moment, in that moment, in that day, when we meet our Lord Jesus, um, he's saying people are going to say, oh, look, it's Jesus. Hey, didn't we do this and do that in your name? And he's saying the prophesying and casting out demons. So exorcisms, it's going to say, we did all that in your name. Um, but what's Jesus going to say in that day? Verse 23. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So Jesus is making it clear. Uh, just saying that Jesus is your Lord, that's not going to do it. Saying Jesus is your Lord and then prophesy, that's not even going to do it. Saying Jesus is your Lord and even performing exorcisms, that's not going to do it. And he's saying, even if you do many wonders and say you're doing it in Jesus' name, that's still not going to be enough. And Jesus is saying you could do all those things and st he's still going to deny that he even knows you. I think that's because uh, th that's not where your heart is. That's not true. It's not. It has to be your um, your genuine spiritual uh, desire, your soul's desire to have it filled with those good seeds, planting good seeds, bearing good fruit. And really, truly, in 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 reality, living it and not just pretending it, not faking it till you make it, but actually doing it, being it, and walking as one with Jesus, it has to be true. It has to be genuine. It can't be something fake. But I think what also he's saying here, um, you could see an example of it where people will put their faith so much so into a church system that the church system tells them whether they're even saved or not. And an example of that is uh, recently I saw the headlines where thousands and thousands of people who were baptized have had their baptism nullified uh, by their church system as if that's even a possibility. But in their minds, it is a possibility because that's the way they believe. But in reality, who could really nullify your your baptism since the, it's supposed to be a baptism between you and the Lord, between us and God and the Spirit. So how in the world can you nullify that? And the reason they say it was nullified is because the person performing the baptism didn't say the right words. How in the world can that actually stand and be? And I think the way it can stand is because that's what people believe. So it's not, it doesn't mean it's true. doesn't mean it's how it actually works. But if you really believe that that's how it works, and then you turn around and condemn yourself to say, oh, I'm not, they're not really baptized. Oh, they're not really saved because of whatever dogma your church has laid out for you. Then your soul, your heart may actually believe that. And you find yourself on that Broadway again, following a whole lot of people who just happen to be believing the wrong thing. And Jesus is calling it lawlessness because that's not what the law says. It, Jesus is Jesus told us this is the law and the prophets to love your neighbor as yourself, to treat people the way you want to be treated, to love the Lord and love your neighbor as yourself. So if you're not doing those things, then, yeah, you're just practicing lawlessness, no matter what your religious organization tells you. And Jesus is saying, and in doing that, he's going to declare, not just say it, he's going to declare, I never knew you. Not just now, but I never knew you. All those things you thought were righteous and holy and were doing all along the way don't align with anything Jesus said. And it turns out you never knew him at all. You thought you were, you hoped you were, you believed you were. But it turns out none of that stuff lines with any of these red letters at all. So, in fact, you actually never knew, Jesus never knew you at all. And you know that's got to be a heartbreaking moment. God forbid I ever experience it. But you got to know that's got to be devastating to think that you've been uh, uh, being righteous all this time. And then it turns out you weren't at all. Verse 24, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. So don't read over what Jesus says. It's his sayings that you have to hear. And it's his sayings that you have to do is again, you have to not just talk the talk, but actually walk the walk. You have to have the words in your mouth and they'll only be in your mouth if they're in your heart. Because again, that it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. So it starts there. You're, I forget which um, science says it, but 
action follows thought. So you aren't going to be saying righteous things if those righteous things aren't in your heart. If they are, that's what you're going to be saying. And then once you do, that's what you're also going to be doing if it's there. But like I just said, the broad way is not that at all. It's saying it, but not doing it. It's not saying it at all and just doing whatever you want to do. It's thinking, oh, well, this seems right to me and I'll just do that. All of those things that people do that don't align at all with what Jesus tells us to do. But Jesus is making it clear here. It's hearing his sayings, these red letters. It's hearing what he has to say and doing them. That's what makes for uh, who he'll recognize in that judgment day. Who he's not going to say, oh, I never knew you. Because you've heard what he has to say and you're doing what he says. And he says, and if you do that, he's going to compare you or liken you to, liken us to a wise man who build his house on the rock. So he's saying it's wise. If you hear what he says and do it, he's saying then you're like, it's like you're building a house and you're building on solid foundation, building on rock. Verse 25, and the rain descended, the floods and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. So he's saying if you build on that foundation on hearing what he says and doing it, then that's what you're doing. You're building on a solid solid as a rock foundation as i think it was ashford and simpson saying you're building on the rock and that rock is a solid firm stand strong foundation he's saying that's what it'd be like if you're hearing what he says and you do it and um he's saying so even when those floods and the winds and the storms may beat against you uh, or you know spring up along the way in those paths of life that you take um that you may experience they may spring up, but you're still on that rock. You're you're still solidly on that foundation. Um, so you're okay. Um, verse 26. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So Jesus is saying, uh, and don't read over what he says there. Everyone who hears these sayings of his and does them. So that means plenty of people will hear it. Plenty of, plenty of people know, oh, Christianity is a thing, but they just choose not to follow it. Or they'll say, oh, I'm a Christian, but then still don't follow what it is he actually says. And you can see that in these different churches around the world where they'll preach a sermon on a whatever holy day they gather. And the sermon will be everything under the sun except for these red letters, teaching and telling people you ought to do this, you have to do that, and yet never coming around at all to what Jesus says, even opening the Bible and pointing to what different teachings are there and the different, like I said, different gods that are mentioned there and the different rules and commandments and ordinances and aka dogma that's there for people to get lost in and confused by you can do all of that you can do that every single sunday meet together on wednesdays and then even do it every day of the week but if you're not focused on what jesus these red letters say and doing them then it's 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 still not doing it. it's not going to cut it it's going to it'd be just like saying lord lord but not actually doing anything you're going to end up not recognized in that judgment day and he's saying, so if you do that, uh, then you're building on the sand. You're not you're not building on a solid foundation. And it's not a solid foundation because, like I said, when you get challenged by those things, say, like about same sex or about trans trans uh, transgender people or whatever other issue it is, different people who consider themselves holy and righteous may decide to throw up at you. Uh, when you tell them, where does Jesus say that? They won't be able to find it. That's because they're not building on the rock. They're not building on a solid foundation. They're building on something else, which you're free to do, but it's foolish. It's like building on the sand, like Jesus says. And it's foolish because that's not a solid foundation. When uh, it can shift, it can collapse, and it almost certainly will, especially once you challenge it with anything Jesus says. If it doesn't align with what Jesus says, and you're a Christian, then what's the point of trying to build on it it makes no sense to build on it you're setting yourself up for destruction for failure verse 27 and the rain descended the floods and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell 
and great was its fall. So build on that other foundation if you want to, on whatever other uh, religious holy person told you, on whatever else the Bible may tell you, or whatever else your heart may tell you is right and wrong. Build on that. Feel free to build on that. But also know that in building on that, it's not righteous. It's not what Jesus said, so it's not Christian. And what it is, it's building on the sand. And what it is, it's going to fall as soon as it encounters those winds and those storms of life once those hit it's going to collapse and fall and when it falls it's going to be terrible he says and great was its fall verse 28 and so it was when jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching so jesus preached his preaching let them know what's up letting us know what's what what's what to hear what he said hear what he says and do it um, and so the people were amazed at that teaching. And it would be amazing if, because, like I said, go to any church. I've never heard them focus on what Jesus has to say. You may get a verse or two of what Jesus has to say, and then you'll get an hour of what's in their heart or some other parts of the Bible. Or sometimes it'll be something altogether different that doesn't even seem like it belongs in church. And that's been revealed a lot over the last couple of years with the pandemic, where you see preachers telling the congregation to still show up they'll say forget about a mask forget about social distancing show up god's got you make sure you bring your tithe make sure you bring your offering show up gather together god's got you and how many people including the preachers themselves have been buried over the last two years because of that and it's because again it's not foundational it's not good foundational it's not solid foundation it's not built on what jesus has to say it's built on some other mess which you're entitled to build on but like jesus says it's gonna fall and when it does it's gonna be a great fall verse 29 for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes so the people were amazed at jesus's teachings because he taught them as someone who knows what he's talking about not someone who's just theorizing or cooking up their own religion for people to try and follow and abide by so that the people will be forced to keep coming to them for guidance and clarity since it's not clear and it's not guided it's some other mess that people want you to follow so that you will have to keep coming to them otherwise you'll walk in confusion because it doesn't align with what jesus says uh but it's very very common and unfortunately a lot of people like jesus says it's a broad way a lot of people fall into that and i believe it's a trap but that ends this reading i appreciate you checking it out with me and as always hope it was a blessing for you and hope you'll join me again i mentioned it already we do old testament readings at random times on mondays and wednesdays we're up to the book of exodus more than halfway through with it probably we'll be done with it in the next couple of uh weeks god willing on our monday and wednesday readings any saturday night readings we dedicate to the red letters to what jesus had to say to christianity to actual christianity to hearing what he says and doing it um uh, you can hear the past readings or see them because uh, some of them are, are actually visual also you can read along with me on uh, this platform or if you're an adult go to my website or you're free to go to my website it's free hungtgirl.com and you can see the readings that stand out to me or are closest to my heart there of the gospels you can um, get a membership make a donation or just enjoy the free content I appreciate all of the above, and God bless you for all of the above. You can find out about me, body, mind, spirit, and soul, as much as I can put out there for you to uh, find out about me, and I'm in the process of updating it. I know it's been a while, especially the pictures, um, but the videos, I, I try to update every week. Just click on the pictures. They're actually videos, um, but all of the content, I'm working on updating that, but I've had a lot going on. Aside from that, but that's no excuse. I'm still working on it. So watch out for those also. Um, in the meantime, please, thanks again. Stay safe. Love your neighbor. Wash your hands. And I'm still wearing my mask because I believe COVID is not done. And if you look around the world, it's far from over. Um, but hopefully anyway, it seems to be anyway, a milder form of it that seems to be spreading now. Like wildfire. And with so many more people vaccinated, it I guess it won't be as deadly. I guess we'll see. That remains to be seen. So stay safe. God bless you. And thanks again. Peace to you. I'll see you next time.